All right, friends. <laughs> that was real effective. But let me try this. Good morning. I feel better. Thank you. Uh, welcome to our 11 o'clock service. Those of you who are in the room, those of you joining us online, it's good to worship God together. Welcome on this Palm Sunday. Holy Week is here. We have Monday Thursday services on Thursday, Good Friday. Uh, all, both of those are at 7.30, Easter Sunday morning, sunrise, other services through the day. Pay attention to those. You'll find in your bulletin an insert this week at Myers Park. Not just when the services are, but how you can serve in mission and do so many other things. We hope that you'll pay attention to those. Uh, my name is James Howell. I am one of the pastors here. And uh, we just welcome you. I look around, uh, quite a number of you are visiting with us. We're really honored that you have come. We hope before you get away, you'll leave us a legible uh, email address, phone, something. Uh, so we, begin, we can reach out to you and begin the process of befriending one another. I would mention also that at the end of this service, if you go this way to the Parish Life Building, I and Rick McGee, our building committee chair, are going to lead a hard hat tour. We might not actually wear hard hats, depending on where we go, but we're going to show you the construction site and update you on what's going on there, and so feel free to stay around for a little bit after noon, and we'll do that together. So friends, let us be in an attitude of worship.
invite you to stand as you're able for the reading of the gospel. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee.
let us continue to rejoice and offer to God our joy by uniting our voices as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
The epistle reading is Philippians chapter 2, beginning with the fifth verse. Have the mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient until death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Palm Sunday, when we were coming in, I was uh, thinking back when I was pastor up in Davidson, they had a tradition there. They had a wider center aisle and the children would come in with the palms and they would they'd, uh, sort of form a gauntlet. They'd weigh the palms and the choir would process among them. It was great. And then as the clergy would come in, the tradition was that the children would swat us with their <laughs> palm fronds. I told this at 9.45, and some choir members thought <laughs> to do this. Holy Week. A uh, week is a chunk of time. We live our lives in weeks. How was your week? Have a good week. We think about weeks. Seven-day chunk of time since all of creation. This Holy Week uh, for Jesus is the exclamation point on everything that he's been about. It's, it's the revelation of everything that is in the heart of God. It's the climax of all that Jesus has been about. It would start in a uh, fun, breezy way, children, donkey, waving of palms, flowery. It's fun. Uh, but then you have to think about uh, the courage that was required of Jesus to walk into the teeth of danger. He knew men in that city wanted to kill him. He had to walk into the teeth of danger. He had to come into the thick of immense confusion. And he came. It's so moving. It was an invasion. And, and if you read a book about you know, history's great invasions, this is the weirdest, lamest invasion ever. It's not like any other. This particular invasion is uh, peaceful. This particular invasion, uh, Jesus is unarmed. He is uh, vulnerable. Uh, he's not trying to defeat anybody. He's not trying to win. It's the very stillness of the heart of God that is coming into the city, the invasion. What Jesus was doing in this, by the way, he wasn't taking on one person, right? It's not like Jesus came and said, I've got to get rid of King Herod. Everything will be fine if I do that. I've got to get Caiaphas out of the high priesthood. He's corrupt. I've got to get Pontius Pilate out of here. If we just do that, all will be well. People fall into this, right? We always think, boy, I remember when we got Osama bin Laden. People thought, oh, we'll be fine now. I don't think so. When we got Saddam Hussein, people thought, oh, we've got him, all will be well. I don't think so. I know people who firmly believe if we could just get rid of Donald Trump, all would be well. And I know people who think if we could just get rid of Joe Biden and those other liberals, all would be well, you see. But Jesus didn't come after one person. What Jesus came into that city to do was to take on the powers of evil. And if I talk about the powers of evil, like you have to contemplate that. Because I know people say it's all individual responsibility, it's all individual decisions. And if you think this, you're not paying attention to the world, right? There's always something beyond Osama bin Laden. 
there always are larger forces. If we think about violence in our country, you can fill in the blank. Like, where's the latest violence? Is it a school? Is it a shopping center? Is it Nashville? Where is it now? It's just a violent society. If you think about race, it's not like, well, there's one guy who's racist, and you go give him a talking to, we'd be rid of race. It's like a pervasive thing that's all over that afflicts us, poverty. It's not like there's one poor person, you could go give them a job and some money, and we'd be rid of poverty. It's like a thing. It's bigger than that. The afflictions of our political ideologies, it's bigger than any one person, any one place. It's really a force of evil, the economy. is so big. And sometimes when we think about the troubles of the world, you feel so small, don't you? Somebody called me the other day and said, um, what are we doing for earthquake victims in eastern Turkey? Well, the truth is we're doing something, but if you think about it, let's say we had a great fundraiser around that, and we came up with, I don't know, a million dollars. That would be amazing, but the need in eastern Turkey is trillions and trillions of dollars. A million would kind of be nothing. You look at the news every day now, there's some tornado damage. Where is it now? Arkansas? was Mississippi a few days back. It's so large, and you feel so small, and in the face of all that, you, we just get kind of numb to it. That's my biggest fear with shootings, is you just hear so many, and after a while the news comes, and I have to, I have to guard against thinking, yeah, 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 one more shooting. Feel so small, kind of get numb to it, and it's easy to think, I'll just withdraw to my little corner and enjoy my little life. All will be well. She says, no, not, it's not just one person. There's one person and another person, and it's a drip, 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 drip of evil. And then finally, you got a big canyon out there. What's a canyon? It's just the endless dripping of water over a long period of time. I went to a, uh, last Sunday night, Lisa and I went to um, hear a talk at First Presbyterian Church. You know, we went there, I kind of thought, you know, these Presbyterians might be, you know, blessed by a little Methodist visit <laughs> at their program. The talker uh, was a woman I know a little named Serene Jones. She's the president of Union Seminary up in New York. Her uh, academic specialty is trauma. And her talk was called Trauma and Grace. So she started talking about PTSD. You know what PTSD is? Like post-traumatic stress syndrome. People have, have, have trauma and then later it, it creates issues. And one of the things she said that was absolutely fascinating to me, she thinks that coming out of the pandemic, what we are experiencing now isn't one trauma, but it's like all the traumas are upon us at once, right? We, we've, got the, we've got the race trauma. We've got the pandemic trauma. We've got the war in Ukraine trauma. We've got the the inflation, and all these, all these traumas are coming at us at once. And as she talked about this, she quoted a poem from memory. I looked it up later. The best line was this. Hear the breaking thunder of the icebergs as they crack. Hear the flow and gush of all the ages as all the harms of the past come up to meet us all at once. And they will not let us go until we take the greatest stride humanity has ever taken. That's moving to me. It's like all the traumas have come upon us at all at once, and what is required isn't turning and running, but it's the greatest stride that humanity has ever needed to take. How could that happen? So they're the forces of evil, but then there also is individual decision. You know, we talk about I do this. I whine about traffic in Charlotte, and it feels like this big empty, but actually it's you know, just some one driver who does not know how to drive. It's some doofus who thinks the light is red. That means I better hurry to get through this intersection. Right, so it's individual decision, isn't it? You have violence, but somebody decides to pick up a gun and go somewhere and shoot some people. Vladimir Putin is an individual making very bad decisions about what to do in the world. I read a book years ago by Daniel Goldhagen called Hitler's Willing Executioner. Sometimes you read about the Holocaust, right? And you think, well, Hitler and a few of these Gestapo guys killed six million Jews. This is false. It actually was all of Germany right? And all of those Germans, they were Lutheran and Catholic churchgoers. 
They knew what was going on. They participated in what was going on. They were Hitler's willing executioners. One person after another said, oh, this is just what we're doing here. Now, I read a book this past week. It was reviewed last week in the Wall Street Journal, and I got it immediately. It's by Matthew Desmond. It's called Poverty by America. It's a great book. I would commend it to you. What he says is we hear about poverty and we think that's just a thing that's out there. It's kind of inevitable. We're just going to have poverty. You can't really help it. There just is poverty. And what he argues in this book very persuasively, I have to add, is that poverty isn't just a thing out there. It's actually each one of us making one decision and then another decision and then another decision. And that's why there are poor people. And if we made different decisions over and over and over, we could actually get rid of poverty. But we don't want to make those decisions over and over because we, we, we benefit from the decisions that we make. And we've gotten to where we're just kind of okay with there being Poverty. Last, last Sunday, I quoted Gandhi's uh, reference to the seven social sins. A lot of you were struck by that. And uh, the social sins are things like pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, religion without sacrifice, politics without principle. It's not like all this is just a thing out there. There's some politician who has no principle. And there it is. There's somebody who has pleasure, but they have no conscience. And, there, and then there's another person, pleasure without conscience. And then there's somebody else, commerce without morality. And then someone else with commerce, one by one, we make these decisions. And then, oh, here's the mess that we are in, one by one. Holy Week, Jesus comes, Jesus engages in this peaceful invasion in order to take all of that on. He takes on the evil powers and he also comes hoping to convert each individual to making very different decisions in their life. It's pretty important to think about. I read uh, this week something by a theologian I met during the pandemic. I probably wouldn't have met him were it not for the pandemic. His name is Chris Green. Uh, he's a great Pentecostal theologian. And I read these words that he wrote, and I'm, I'm just awed by them. Let me read it to you. Chris Green says, Jesus' life ended as it did, not because the powers of evil overcame him, still less because God forced it to happen for the sake of accomplishing some predetermined plan. No, listen to this. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful, the loving, and the hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. I've got to read that to you again. Jesus' life ended as it did because ordinary human beings, including the faithful, the loving, and the hopeful ones, could not imagine an alternative to the injustice they found themselves enacting. Friends, Jesus did not come to make your life 14% better. Jesus did not come so you would be 3% gooder in your life. Jesus came to enact a revolution. Jesus came to blow our imaginations so that we would think very differently. So instead of thinking, this is, this is just the way it is in our world, it's just, we just have poverty, we just have racial issues, we have, we, we, it just, that's just how, Jesus comes to help us to imagine a very different world, the kind of world that God would have, if we could just imagine it. He begins with the donkey, doesn't he? It's so cool. Jesus comes in on a donkey. Like, you know, we don't think sufficiently about this. If you've ridden a donkey, you get it. Donkeys are, I've done this once. I'll never do it again. Donkeys are smelly. And it's a rough ride on the back of a donkey. Why does Jesus come in on a donkey? He doesn't come in on a war stallion. That's what you would expect a revolutionary to do. Alexander Road, Bucephalus, Robert E. Lee. You know, I, they all had their war stallions, but, but traveler. Uh, right. but Jesus comes in on a donkey, right? He, so he's saying this isn't that kind of invasion. Animal's not huggable. Animal's not cute. 
It's an animal of peace. The, the animal doesn't bolt. You'd think with all the racket going on on Palm Sunday, that donkey would just get skittish and bold. But the donkey stays. It's like we can't get skittish of what's going on. We, we, we've got to stay. We've got to stay. It, this donkey, this is so interesting, it's a borrowed donkey. Like it's not even Jesus' donkey. <laughs> he doesn't even own this donkey. And that suggests maybe that in Jesus' revolution, it's, it's not about what we possess. It's not the things that we have and accumulate, but it's what we don't have that might be the key to the revolution. Jesus doesn't come in by himself. He comes in, he's got a whole crowd. We don't do what we do alone. We do it together with other people. So I tried to think this week, uh, nobody said anything ugly to me exiting church so far because of the little list that I made. I tried to think, where would Jesus ride in on the donkey today to try to blow our imaginations and get us not to say, well, this is just how it is in the world, but to get us to think differently. So I made a list. One, Jesus would, I think, this past week, Jesus might ride into Nashville. And I think in Nashville, what Jesus would say is, there is no personal right that trumps in over the safety of children. There is no personal right that trumps in over the safety of children. I think Jesus would ride his donkey to East Palestine, Ohio, or wherever. And I think Jesus would say, corporate prophets don't trump in over the well-being of people that live in little towns all over this country. Now, corporate prophets are cool. If you have stock, the stock goes up, you get a dividend, that's really a great thing. And you can go take a trip somewhere. But Jesus would say, corporate prophets, they just don't trump in over the well-being of people in small towns across this country. I think Jesus might, I think how to put this, Jesus might ride into the, to a bar or the ABC store. Jesus not against drinking. He served wine to his disciples at the Last Supper, but I think Jesus might go there and say to us, can you imagine a world where if you have a bad day, a drink doesn't seem to be the solution. If you have a good day, a drink doesn't seem to be the way to celebrate. If you're getting together with people, a drink isn't necessarily the way to lubricate the social relations there. I think Jesus might say, a lot of you guys drink too much. And a lot of you who drink too much will never admit to yourselves that you drink too much. But Jesus would say, I'd like you to reimagine a very different world. Jesus might ride his donkey into the cemetery where we think he's gone, she's gone, her memory lives on. And Jesus would say, oh no, I've already raised him up. She is already in heaven with me among the communion of the saints. I think Jesus might ride to I should have looked up, what are the most disadvantaged schools in Charlotte? They keep stats on all these things. What are the schools in Charlotte that have the lowest reading rates? And you know how that plays out? When people move to Charlotte, they study those things and they say, mm, I ain't living in that neighborhood. I'm gonna move to the neighborhood where they have a good school, or I'm gonna move, you see what we do? I think Jesus would ride to where those schools are and say, can we not imagine a world where all children can read, where all children can read well? Would Jesus not find those who don't have a decent place to live or they keep getting evicted from wherever it is that they live? And Jesus would say, can you envision a world where there is enough affordable housing and people can have a roof over their head and all the good that comes from that sort of thing, Jesus hears us talk about race or tension with the police, and Jesus would ride in and say, can't you imagine a, a different world? Could we be part of taking that big stride forward that must be taken now since all of these traumas are coming upon us all at once? I, uh, I've been doing this all morning, so I'll do it again. The rest of my sermon uh, didn't exist until I was uh, driving over here this morning. So it's not well-conceived, and I apologize for that. I was uh, very sad coming to church this morning. It's Palm Sunday. You're supposed to be happy. I was sad. So I started thinking about this thing that I read. A theologian said this, like, for Christ to come, he needs to be born. 
I don't mean B-O-R-N. Of course, Christ had to be born, like at Christmas. But what I mean is, for Christ to come, he needs to be born, B-O-R-N-E. Jesus comes in this invasion, he, he is carried on a donkey. There is a donkey who bears Jesus in. And for Jesus to come to places in our world today, he must be born. And, and when I thought about that, what made me sad is I thought about people in our church who were great at bearing Christ into hard situations, and we've lost them recently. There's a long list, but I thought of four who were really on my heart. I just thought I'd share this with you because, you see, when we lose those who bear Christ, that really means the rest of us have to step up. The rest of us have to step up. The four I thought of as I was driving, one is uh, Mr. Jerry Richardson. Um, when Mr. Richardson died, of course, the news was all over it, and you know, he's the owner of the Panthers. I had reporters you know, sticking a mic in my face, so irritating. And, um, you know, we here knew Jerry as a member of our church, a devoted member of our church. He was a trustee. He was on our administrative board, a good United Methodist uh, his entire adult life. And what people don't know so much about him is he did so much bearing of Christ, so much good for people that nobody ever heard about behind the scenes. I know these things because he was my friend. And we would go to dinner and just would talk about what we've been doing recently. And he could tell me th these things that he didn't want out in the press because he didn't do it for attention or glory. He did it because he cared about people and wanted to reach out to them. Such a beautiful thing. You know, a second person I thought about this morning, I had her funeral this week, <clears throat> Janet England. Some of you are too young to remember this, but at one time, Janet was probably the most familiar female face in the city of Charlotte. She was the first female anchor on the evening news. I remember the first Sunday she came here. I told this at her service. Uh, she and Bill were sitting over here, and I stood up, and I started preaching. I looked over, and I was, I was like, gaga. Like, uh, that's Janet England. And I should have been gaga, but not because she was a TV personnel. I learned I should have been Gaga, but she was a humble, holy seeker after God. And she took that platform that she had as such a familiar face and used it to lift up children who were at risk in the city of Charlotte. She was bearing Christ to others. Uh, the third we lost this week uh, P.D. Devant, uh, some of you knew P.D., many of you probably didn't. If you didn't, you missed it. She was just quirky, funny, just a delight. She was one of the real keys in the development of our women's ministry. She was kind of one of the first ones to organize people, and get them together, go on the women's retreat, and she was the life of the party, and she also was a warrior on the environment. She was just wonderful. This hit me all, all morning, and it's doing it again. The one that really, though, got me this morning coming to church is um, last night we uh, suffered the death of our uh, beloved, much beloved, long-time lay leader uh, named Dick Carter. Dick was um, the lay leader of, this, of your church for 17 years. Uh, that's a long time. We sometimes would think, oh, we need a new lay leader. He just was the lay leader. He was a marvelous man who did so much. He did so much bringing of Christ into the life of our church and the way it's structured and all that we do. So much wisdom there that he enabled all of us to be the church. If people get confused about Mars Park Methodist Church, right? People come and they think, oh, it's the building. No. People think, oh, it's the choir, they're lovely, but no. Probably two or three people think, eh, Howell's not too bad, <laughs> but no. 
The beauty of this church is its people. And Dick Carter was the leader of the people. I love this man. And I'm going to miss him so much. And a lot of people didn't know he was even sick. He didn't want to bother anybody. He didn't want a lot of attention. He wanted the church to keep being the church. And some of us have to step up. Uh, the choir saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, blessed are those who step up and say, we're, we're going to bear Christ into the world, right? Instead of looking at the world and saying poverty is inevitable, housing problems, that's inevitable, race, that's just inevitable, political ideology, it's just, you know, it's just, we, we, we're the people, we're going to imagine something different. <laughs> we're the ones who, who are going to say, you know, Jesus asks us to be different. Jesus asks us to change the world. And something I know about you, about us, is we actually can do this. We actually can, it's just, do, do we want to do it? Are we willing? Do we want religion without sacrifice? Do we want those other social sins? Or do we want to be the people that Jesus, Jesus came to blow our imagination so we could rethink everything for God's children? I mean, we can change so many things. We have to change so many things. When we do it, it's so lovely. It's so moving. I'm sorry to get emotional about this. I love Dick. I love these others. I love others. I haven't, you know, we, you forget this. We who are your pastors, we, we, we love you. We think about you when you're not here. You matter to us. You matter to God. You have a wonderful church. And part of what's wonderful is keep asking, what, what's, what does, where does God want us to bear God next? And we're willing to go. We've got to step up, all of us. Thank you for um, humoring me and hearing uh, this unprepared part of today's sermon. Amen. Let us continue to be in prayer. Prince of Peace, on this Palm Sunday, we are reminded that when the world expects one to choose power and wealth, O oh Lord, you chose peace and humility. We admit we crave control and security in a way that keeps us from the callings you have for us. Help us to seek you, to choose to be people who bear you to the world. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, as we prepare for a week that will end in violence, we admit that violence has already been on our hearts. We lift up cries of lament over more lives lost to gun violence. We also cry out with feelings of helplessness, fear, and a desire to change this reality we find ourselves in. Lord, we are grateful that you are a God with us, and we need you. Lord, in your mercy, all loving God, you walk among us every day, even when we fail to see you. Help us to be people who always recognize there is a king among us and that we never miss the chance to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Help us to see that we are not alone in our isolation, our addictions, our illnesses, our anger, our hurt, and our grief. 
Help us to see you, to bow down before you. Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, as we journey to the end of Lent, we realize that there are those among us that Easter feels very far away. That resurrection may feel like a far off promise. Be with them. We especially lift up the families that are in the midst of grief right now. Lord, be with the families of P.D. Devon, Preston Guyton, and Dick Carter. We lament their earthly loss. Be with all of us as we navigate this season of grief. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, we are grateful that you bring crowds together. Let us raise our voices together as your church with the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've come to the part of our service where we give our tithes and offerings. And I want to say thank you for the, your continued generosity that allows this to be a place where we can raise our palms and worship God together, but also a place where we can grieve together. Um, those that we have lost. So thank you for your continued generosity.
place our gifts into your hands, praying that they can become a part of your peaceable kingdom. We give them out of love and dedication to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. we followed not with fears why love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all and now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore <laughs>